Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. And please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd love to have you join us in person at 10 a.m. this Sunday at Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can also connect with us online at frbc.com. Thanks again for checking us out and enjoy the episode. Acts 17, Acts 17 is where we're going to be. Um, We've been in a series uh, that I've been enjoying. Um, So we did a verse-by-verse, really passage-by-passage study of the book of Romans, and I believe it went 25 lessons. And so, uh, yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> that's how I felt about it too. Um, and so, uh, anyways, but uh, went through that at the beginning of the year, and then um, for those of you who uh, maybe don't teach or don't pay attention or whatever, uh, basically there's two types of studies that we do in here. We either do a um, a expositional is what it's called, so we go verse by verse through something, Um, and then the other one is kind of a topical series, so we'll take a topic and uh, we'll kind of break it apart. And so several weeks ago we started a series entitled Religious Rhythms, and so what we're talking about is what are the rhythms that should be in your life um, as a child of God that really create or cultivate something in your heart for God. Uh, The truth is, is that you will not be different in your life until you begin to really routinely put things into your heart and into your life that can produce something. Um, Anything that grows is the result of intentionality. We understand that, right? Like if you're not going to go, if you, you bought poinsettias this week, all right? So If you desire for something to grow, it's going to be the result of intentionality, intentionally caring for it, intentionally putting it in sunlight, intentionally watering it, intentionally producing good soil, intentionally whatever it may be. You are going to have to put something into it. And sometimes what we want with our Christian life is we just kind of want to, well, yeah, whatever happens, happens. And like, I hope I grow. I hope I become a good Christian. I hope that I'm just like my grandpa when I'm 40, 50, 60 years old. I hope I'm just like this. I hope I'm a great spiritual leader. But we must put in what we expect to get out of it. And so um, religious rhythms is really just talking about what are the things, what are the habits, what are the rhythms of our lives that we need to produce that, and almost become religious about so that we can see God do something in our hearts and in our lives. And so Acts chapter number 17 is where we're going to be today. And uh, this is a little bit of a different one. We've been kind of just talking about uh, the rhythm of prayer, the rhythm of rest, uh, the rhythm of thanksgiving. Uh, we've been talking about just these e- kind of easy rhythms And today I'm going to ask you to begin to kind of break outside of the mold. Sometimes it's easy for us to say like, oh yeah, I'll be a great Christian as long as I just have to pray, read my Bible and meditate. But there's something more to that. And I want to recall you to our first lesson where when we kind of introduced this, we went to the passage where Jesus is feeding the 5,000. He gets in a boat. He goes across the he goes across the Sea of Galilee there, and when he gets to the other side, there's more people. And what we find is that in that passage, Jesus he he develops, he rests, he he puts some rhythms into his life. But one of the things that we missed, or that, that we often miss in that passage, is that Jesus's rhythms were there so that he could be an impact on people. And let me just talk to you for just a second, okay? 
rhythms, habits, all of these things that we're talking about, they're kind of trendy things right now. And if you're not careful, you will develop what I'm going to refer to as selfish rhythms, okay? I firmly believe that if you wake up at 5 o'clock every morning and you spend 15 minutes in silence and, and then you study the Word of God and then you pray and, and you do some of these things and then you go and you get in an ice bath and then you whatever and then you go do practice grounding. and then, So like you're starting your morning at 3 o'clock in the afternoon by the time you get done with your morning routine. I firmly believe that if you do all of those things, you'll be a better person. I have no doubt in my mind, all right? I think people who are disciplined enough to journal and write a prayer to God and send it up on a balloon every morning, like I think they're better people than I am, all right? But please listen to this. If you're not careful, you can develop these rhythms and these habits of almost isolation to where, yes, you are a good person, but please listen to this. The Bible teaches us that we are not called to live unto ourselves, the Bible teaches a child of God, a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, that the goal of what we do is not just for ourselves, but it is so that we may have an impact on others. And so when we were going through missions conference here a couple weeks ago, I was sitting there and I was thinking like, okay, what's the goal? What's the point in some of these rhythms? Okay, the rhythm of rest, all right? If your goal is just the rhythm of rest that we talked about a couple weeks ago, and you're just like, yep, I'm just going to take naps for the rest of my life. Like, you will be a very sleepy, like, not sleepy, non-sleepy, like, you'll be a super healthy person, all right? And like, if we all had a choice of which rhythm we wanted to adopt, it would probably be the rhythm of napping, all right? But that's not the point. Rest is so that you can come back better to serve those around you. You think about the rhythm of thanksgiving that we talked about last week. The rhythm of thanksgiving is so that you can say, this is what I'm thankful for. How can I use it to serve those around me? And so today I want to talk to you about one that is, like I said, a little bit breaking outside of the mold of what we've been talking about. And I want you to see this in Acts chapter number 17. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says this, now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, can you say the next four words of verse number two out loud together with me? As his manner was, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Let's go back and look at verse number two in those four words one more time. Uh, verse number two, it says, And Paul as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. For the next couple minutes, I want to talk to you just about this simple thought, but I think it's a rhythm that we can so often forget, and that is this, the rhythm of reaching. The rhythm of reaching. The truth is that we live in such a narcissistic, selfish society that can very easily turn internal more than external. 
that we can think like, well, it's all about me. And are there moments where you have to, this is going to sound so hippie, so please don't take it for the way that it's coming across because I can't think of a better way. Are there moments where you need to focus on yourself? Absolutely. Okay. Are there moments where you need to grow in your spiritual life? Absolutely. Are there moments where you need to just take a moment of quietness and peace to yourselves? Absolutely. But please don't miss this. If you live all about yourself and live your life just to, well, I've got to protect me, I've got to protect me, I've got to protect me, you will miss what God has called you to. And I firmly believe that you will lack certain fulfillment in the Christian life because you have not stepped out beyond yourself to reach those around you. And so from this passage, I want to give you quickly three principles about the rhythm of reaching and how we can be better at it. Let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I'm thankful that you are a God who reached down through your son. And Lord, as we'll celebrate here in just the next couple of weeks, Lord, you sent us a savior because you desired to have a relationship with us. And now Jesus is not on this earth, and so the only ones responsible for sharing that good news is us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to never close ourselves off from the people that you've called us to reach. Lord, may we never set ourselves aside and just become so good at the Christian life that we fail to understand that the Christian life is about reaching those around us. God, I pray that you would give me wisdom, give me the words to say. Lord, help us as we look at this passage in your name we pray. Amen. The truth is, for us as human beings, we were designed to live with those around us. We were designed to live amongst people. We were designed to live with relationships. You go back and you look at creation. Obviously, it was not just any relationship that God created for Adam. It was the relationship of a spouse. And so that was great. But as you look through the passages of Scripture and you look at Scripture as a whole, God often put people around other people so that they could have an impact on them. Let's think just as we walk through some stories in Scripture, let's think about the story of Ruth, okay? The story of Ruth and how Naomi came back from her homeland and she saw her husband and she saw her sons die. And so Ruth was a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. And so her relationships that she surrounded herself with had a great impact. Let's think about the relationship of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how that now thousands of years later, we read about these men who had a great relationship. There were 10,000 captives that were taken into Babylon. There were 10,000 people, and yet four of their names stand out because of their relationship and the impact that they had on each other and those around them. We think about maybe the story of Esther and how she saved God's people. We think about Mary and Joseph, and we think about Elizabeth and John the Baptist. And these were people who, because of their relationships, because of how they interacted with those around them, they had an impact because they were willing to do what God had called them to do. Let me ask you a very simple but profound question this morning before we look at these three thoughts. Who in your life are you impacting right now? Who in your life are you impacting right now? There's a ton of data out there. There's a ton of statistics, and I'm not going to bore you with them because I'm a data nerd, okay? There's a ton of storylines about how that we're becoming the most disconnected, connected generation in history. You can have 1,500 friends on Facebook and only talk to two people in your real life, all right? 
You can have all of this influence. You can have all of these relationships and connections and all of these things. But if we're not careful, and please listen to this, if our relationships and our community and our connections as children of God just boil down to, well, this is just who I talk about football with. This is just who I go and play with. This is just who I go and go kayaking with. This is just my coffee shop buddy. This is just my whatever. If we miss the point of the fact that our relationships are designed by God to have an impact on us and those around us, then we'll miss the point for them. And here's, like I said in my prayer, I believe we will actually miss the fulfillment of doing things the way that God has designed them to be. And so in Acts chapter number 17, here's what you have. You have the Apostle Paul who is rolling into a new area, as he often does in the book of Acts. Okay, He shows up at a new city. He shows up at a new location. And the first thing that he does is he goes to a place where people don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He goes to the synagogue. He goes to where the Jews are. And it says that he begins to open and allege that Jesus is the Messiah. He begins to open the word of God. And it says that he spends three Sabbath days with them. Here's what I want you to see from this. It says, as his manner was, which means this, that when Paul moved into a new area, wherever God had placed him, he developed this rhythm of just, God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go reach people. I'm going to go reach out to someone. I'm going to go talk to someone about you. And here's what I want to ask you today. Could it be that the reason why this generation of Christianity does not have the impact of previous generations is because we do not have the rhythm of previous generations? You look back and not everything in the past is as glittery gold as what we say that it is, okay? I understand that. But you look back at the Christianity and the morals of America. You look back at the way that society used to function, and we can all say, like, well, it used to be better than it was. Yeah, none of us really know that, all right? It's stunk for all of our lives, and it's probably going to stink for the rest of it. So there's the good news this morning. No, I'm just kidding. But you guys are dead this morning, all right? Either that or my jokes just aren't funny. That's probably, it's probably that you're dead. It's not the jokes. It's definitely not that, but. Yeah, just scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you look at this, when you look at this passage, what you see is that Paul had this rhythm. And here's the sad truth about Christianity in the day and age that we are living in it, is that we tend toward silence in our Christianity rather than toward boldness. And Paul just had this rhythm. And obviously, he lived differently than in different times than what we lived, right? They didn't have social media and all this stuff. And so that's probably why he was such a better Christian than all of us, all right? But Paul had a rhythm in his life to where he said, when I come into this area, I'm going to try my best to reach someone. So here's what I want to give you. I want to quickly give you three truths about this rhythm of reaching. And then I want to close with just a thought about how we can possibly become better at it. First of all, is reaching should be customary. Re reaching should be customary. I love that it says, as his manner was, okay? The truth is, whether you realize it or not, you have things that as your manner is, all right? Some of you, like you have these little, twer like these, what am I trying to say? Not 
not what I was about to say, all right? You have these little quirks, all right? There it is. <laughs> We're going to have to delete this one from the podcast. You have these little quirks about you, okay? You have things that you do. You have things that you say. You have things that you might mimic. The other day we were talking uh, about our youngest daughter, Blakely, and she's two years old, getting ready to turn three, and uh, she is like our chattiest one, I think, because she's heard her brothers and sisters talk. Well, when she gets to talking about something, she does this thing where she licks her lips, and she kind of like talks with a lisp, and it's so cute. So she'll start saying, like we were talking about Christmas the other day, and she's going, "Um, I want uh, uh, this for Christmas, and and she's like always licking her lips and like it's just her little habit like I don't know where it came from I don't know who it came from but all of you have little things that you do they're your manners they're your natures and maybe it's not some little quirk maybe it's something that you do every single morning and like if you have roommates they're like what they do every morning drives me crazy all right you probably had a roommate that was like that you probably have friends you have if you're in the room and you're married you have things that you're like all right they do that every morning and I can't believe it and they drive me crazy those of you who aren't married yet that's what you have to look forward to all right it's the joy of a relationship is that they drive you crazy about the things that they do every morning, the things that they don't do every morning, all right? So here's what I want you to understand is you all have things in your life that whether you intended to develop them or not, whether it's a quirk or a habit or a trend or whatever it may be, you have things that are as your manner is. Now, please listen to this. Do the daily habits or the consistent things that you do in your life ever make a difference in someone else's life. Brushing your teeth every night is probably a great habit, and it makes an impact on your dentist, okay? And your hygienist, all right? But the truth is, and this isn't a knock at not brushing your teeth, all right? And flossing and all that stuff, all right? Okay? But the truth is that we can become so consumed with what impacts us that we never impact someone else. When was the last time you sent someone an encouraging text and just said, I'm praying for you? When was the last time you saw someone at church and just said, hey, we should get together? When was the last time you jotted an encouraging note to someone? When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? Reaching out, reaching those around us should be customary. It should be normal for the Christian. It should not feel weird for a child of God to say, hey, I'm just checking in on you and I'm praying for you. It shouldn't feel weird for a child of God to say, hey, can I share some good news with you? It should be customary. But then notice, secondly, is this. Reaching is not always successful. Let's just be very honest with ourselves. What's the one thing that probably keeps us from reaching out to people around us? The fear of being shot down. The same reason why you don't ask people out on a date, right? Like the fear of being shot down. Well, if I... If I walk up to someone and I say, hey, can I share the good news of the gospel with you? And they're like, no, I hate God. I hate Jesus. I don't want to hear what you say. Well, that's the last time I'm going to do that, right? What if I get punched in the face? What if... Let's remember who we're talking about here, all right? I don't know that we look at the Apostle Paul and we think, dude has really high success rate, right? He was stoned. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake. I don't even know if that matters about the gospel, but it scares the willies out of me, all right? Like, he doesn't have the greatest track record, right? So when we, as children of God in 2023, 
pull out maybe a gospel track or open our Bible on an airplane or sit in a coffee shop with a Bible study and someone walks up to us and they, and they say, hey, like, and we invite them in, like, hey, you want to come study the Bible with me? Can I talk to you about my Savior? And they're like, no, I don't really believe in any of that stuff. Oh, man. I mean, I'm just persecuted for the gospel's sake. Oh, get over yourself, right? That's what the Apostle Paul would say. Like, really? Someone didn't want to have coffee with you? Oh, my. Like, what we struggle with is that Jesus has called us to be salt and light. And let's just understand that if the Apostle Paul, if Jesus himself didn't have a 100% success rate, Judas walked away, Peter denied him, the disciples went into hiding, all right? Jesus himself did not have a 100% success rate. How many of you understand that frail humble, little, imperfect Joel Norris is also not going to have a 100% success rate. You're going to reach out to people that you, and they are not going to reply to your text. You're going to say that you're praying for someone and they're not going to pray for you. You're going to go through times where no one reaches out to you. You're going to invite people to church and they don't show up. You're going to share the gospel and it doesn't make an impact. But please listen, the point is not that we be successful. The point is that we be consistent. And so reaching is not always successful, but then thirdly, and we'll be done, reaching is not always accepted on earth. I want you to look at the result here in verse number four. It says, And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout, Jew, uh, the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the base resort, and gathered a company, and set the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. But then I want you to see this in verse number 6. When they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. One of the most popular passages and verses there in verse number six but here's what i want you to see on earth this did not go over well and many times our failures in the christian life are because we view them through the lens of the impact that they make on this earth and not on the impact that they make on eternity and here's what i want to close with just to simply maybe help you become better at this. I wish that I could get every person in our class and in our church and connected with our church and every family to understand that the winds of this life down here do not always produce a win in eternity. But what often feels like a loss down here sometimes produces the greatest wins in eternity. The Bible talks in Matthew chapter number 6, where Jesus himself is, really, is the one who's speaking, and he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves don't break through and steal. And he gives this long list of things, and here's what he's basically saying, okay? You're very probably familiar with the passage, but what he's saying is this. Stop trying to win here and start trying to win there. 
my son and I were both obsessed with college football. He is making me not want to be as obsessed because he's driving me crazy, okay? This morning, he came and got in our bed like he was like the first one awake, and he was like, Dad, have they released the top 25 yet? And I'm like, please shut up. <laughs> like, I, didn't, I didn't say that. But he's obsessed with it. And here's what, if you study, if you look at sports and you look at all these things, there are people who are practicing 368 days out of the year. You say there's not that many days in the year. You're right. That's how dedicated they are. They're coming up with three extra days to practice so that they can be this good for whatever, all right? There's people who live it, they eat it, they breathe it. You look at anybody who is successful in the world of athletics and they make all of us look like pudgy little losers, all right? Like they're so stinking dedicated. I saw something the other day that it was Michael Phelps's diet at the Beijing Olympics and he was eating 10,000 calories because he was swimming like 17 miles. Like I wouldn't want to drive 17 miles, much less swim 17 miles, all right? But they're so dedicated and consumed with what they believe matters. And the truth is that it works. Okay? Michael Phelps is in the history books. Like The guy doesn't have to do anything for the rest of his life. Like If he wants to just go out into his pool and do cannonballs now, he can. All right? Why? Because he swam his brains out for how many ever years, ate 10,000 calories, which I kind of think I might have hit that on Friday or, or Thursday. All right? <laughs> Didn't swim afterwards either. All right? It was great. But they did it, why? So that they would be remembered. But please listen, please, please don't miss what I'm about to say. What will, we've used Michael Phelps now, so let's stick with that example. In eternity, gold medals, records, and whatever doesn't matter. And we, we all sit here and we're like, oh, yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, you losers don't have any gold medals. So, like, don't, you ever, all of us are like, yeah, Michael Phelps has not made an impact on eternity. But please listen to this. Many children of God miss what God has called them to do and who God has called them to reach for reasons much smaller than a gold medal. Well, like if I can get to this amount of money, I can retire early. And if I can get this job promotion, then I can live like this. And, and if I meet this person, then I can do this. And if I, do, if I live here, then I can live in this kind of house, whatever it may be. And we chase all of these things. And please watch this. We stack up the wins here on earth. And then one of these days when we stand before God, we cannot take those wins and transfer them to heaven and to eternity and say, God, look at what I did. And sometimes the way that it looks in real Christian life is losing here on this earth means winning in eternity. There are people right now in our church that I can promise you this, their bank account does not look the most healthy. They don't have a glamorous job, but here's what I know. They faithfully walk with God. They faithfully share the good news of the gospel with those around them. They do things that nobody else in this church or in the Christian life does. And here's what matters. Is that one of these days, they will stand before God and God will be able, be able to say, look at what you invested here. And meanwhile, the rest of the world says, well, look at what they missed out down, on down here. And here's what I believe that someone like Paul understood. He developed the rhythm of reaching people 
because he believed that what was a win in eternity was better and worth more than a win on this earth. And so here's the question that I simply just want to close with. I asked you the question of who do you impact at the beginning? Under the first thought, I asked you the question of could it be that the reason why we are not making the impact of other generations is because we don't have the rhythm of other generations? But here's the question that I want to ask you simply today as we close. Are you living for wins on this earth or wins in eternity? Are you living for wins on this earth or wins in eternity? We have been so duped by the lies of this society and this culture to where we think that we can only be a good Christian if we have a mortgage, a nice car, a nice phone, a good-looking spouse, a family, a dog, and a white picket fence out front. That does not make you a good Christian. That makes you a blessed American. And you can live and die with all of those things and stand before God one of these days. And he won't take the keys to your car. He won't take the keys to your house. He won't take your family picture. He will only take those that you impacted for eternity. You say, wow, this is really hard for the week after Thanksgiving. I'm sorry, it wasn't supposed to be this hard, all right? Okay, but here's, what, here's the reason why I, I, I'm trying to get you to understand this. Most people this week, they thanked God for the blessings of the American life and not the blessings of their spiritual life. The same verse that we taught on last week in everything give thanks is a command whether you're a Christian in China in an underground church or a Christian in America. And sometimes as American Christians, we say, well, in everything give thanks. Well, look at our bountiful table and our blessings and our cars and our, our this and our that. And we're thanking God for all of the things of just being in America. And, what, and, and I'm not saying not to thank God for those. Like God knows the, like, you guys probably need phones and like we need all those things. Need is probably not the right word, all right? But what we miss is this, is that God has called us to impact eternity, not just life down here. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want us to pray. And here's what I'm just going to ask you to do, okay? Very simply, very simply. This rhythm of reaching, this idea of impacting eternity, here's what I want you to do right now. It's just in the quietness of this moment, I want you to ask yourself this question. Who is it that I can have an impact on? It may not. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. Remember to take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and tell others about this content. Remember, we would love to have you be our guest in person this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can connect with us online at frbc.com and we look forward to seeing you again soon.